there do people ever get tired of talking about themselves because i am like so done already (laughs) and also do other people enjoy listening to other people talk about themselves i don't know it's kind of like reading a self-biography i guess from your shoes so welcome back this is roxy this is part two of about me hopefully you haven't gotten bored yet um i'm like why am i talking about myself so much but anyway let's continue the story so on the last episode i did talk about continuing on to talk about my career in this episode and my interests and how i came to be where I am working now. So in high school, actually, I think it started in middle school. I was always interested in health and nutrition. Of course, as a teenager, it's probably not in the most healthy of ways. So I did read a lot of articles about diet and health and nutrition. I made friends with people who were like also interested in the same thing. We would try to like go on runs together or eat healthier. But of course, a lot of that you know, when you're a teenager, you you do receive a lot of crap and fake news and misleading information from the internet and from people around you, from either friends or adults that just keep spreading all of these false food information and basically the mentality and approach on nutrition that a lot of people have, like fat dieting, FAD, fat dieting, or just really any dieting and exercise in general for weight loss. So my interest originally was more kind of on that level. And it's it's kind of interesting, actually, because when you meet a lot of dietitians, a lot of them got into the field because at one point they had an eating disorder or something like that. Same thing as like if you meet a psychiatrist or a mental health counselor, a lot of the times they have some of that interest from when they were younger because then they themselves wanted to research and look into understanding their own mind better. So I'm not saying that's everyone, but a lot of people did get into the, the field of nutrition for those purposes. And I can confidently say that I never had an eating disorder, but I feel like a lot of dietitians in general, we kind of maybe grew from being at risk of that being in that cohort as it is, just because we're such like type A people that are perfectionist. And if you look up any dietitian memes, you're going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> where it's like a person who's super organized and hyper-focused and passionate about food and is a perfectionist all the time and is super type A. (laughs) So I do fall into that boat of always being organized and wanting to be the best version of myself, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we do have tendencies that can easily place us in the risk category for developing an eating disorder. So that's just something I've noticed that sometimes those of us that are interested in pursuing it degree in nutrition could be also those that might have been predisposed to things like orthorexia which is kind of like a eating disorder where you're obsessed with only eating healthy and clean ingredients to where it kind of takes control of your life things like body dysmorphia where you don't have a factual view about your appearance but regardless I always knew I was interested in nutrition and health In high school, I actually thought maybe I wanted to be a physical therapist, but then quickly changed my mind on that. So I talked to my teacher in high school that taught the food and nutrition course of my high school, which we mostly learned about like cooking concepts and food science, things like that. But 
she gave me some insight about how to become a dietitian. You basically have to go to a school that offers the nutrition and nutritional sciences and dietetics degree. It may be called something a little bit different based on the school that you're going to, but I chose to go to Texas Tech University, which utilizes the DPD, which is the didactic program in dietetics. So I did my four years, but the first year I actually did stay in El Paso and I did go to UTEP, which is University of Texas at El Paso, as well as El Paso Community College, just to get some of my basic courses out of the way. So I did stay here my first year and then the rest of the three years I attended Texas Tech. And I just made sure I talked with both of the counselors and communicated with them to make sure that I would be taking the right classes so that the credits would transfer. So if you are someone that is looking into transferring schools, I would just be pretty adamant about making sure to see the degree plan of the new school. And if you are taking classes that perfectly match with the credits so that you don't have to do extra work. That's when George and I moved to Lubbock. And I'm really fortunate that I got to study there. We have a great program in dietetics. It really gave me a solid foundation about science-based, evidence-based approach to nutrition and medical nutrition therapy, which is a huge focus in their school. At the time, I didn't realize that I would need it because at the time, I didn't think that I would want to pursue a career in clinical dietetics. But now I see how invaluable that was having the coursework that was focused on clinicals. So towards the end of your graduation, you apply for the DICAS, which is the dietetic internship application process. So think of it as like FarmCAS, like for pharmacy school, nursing school, all of these different applications that you have to fill out in order to attain a dietetic internship. So you do definitely need one of those if you want to be a registered dietitian, which the difference is that you are licensed and you are accredited with the Commission of Dietetics and you're registered as a dietitian versus someone who just claims that they're a nutritionist or a health coach or etc. So in order to be an actual RD, you do have to go through a dietetic internship, which is which can be rigorous depending on the program that you get accepted into, or it's actually called match because you only get matched with one program. Even if you apply two, four, or five, you only get matched with one. So that's why it's wise to rank your preferences carefully so that you can try to get the most chance of either getting your preferred internship or maybe landing in a safety school that you also apply for. I was able to match with my top choice, which I'm very thankful for. And I loved my program. It was called the UT School of Public Health at Houston Texas Medical Center, or the other name is UT Health Sciences Center. So we moved to Houston. And during the time, I actually quickly started a YouTube channel and blog. It's called Roxy RD, which is still going. There's still uh, a YouTube channel. At for that for it but i just haven't created any new episodes or any new videos i should say for that youtube channel but i was looking back on some of them the other day and i actually found them pretty interesting and neat to look back on like oh this was fun like some of the things in the videos i don't even remember but but then it like takes me back like oh my gosh like that was at my school and this was at the gym and it was just kind of neat to look back into those videos that i had once made 
my blog is no longer running because I ended up choosing not to pursue a career in private practice or be like one of those dietitians that you see on social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatnot. I ended up not going that route just because I felt like it was so hectic and super overwhelming and kind of like lackluster on the fruitfulness that I was getting from my efforts in blogging and posting to social media and making YouTube videos. It was fun because I I got to explore my creative side and there were times where I truly had a blast creating content, but I quickly just realized it's not for me. Like I don't want to be someone who's just constantly creating content to elevate my business or to promote myself, which is haha, very funny. It's kind of like what I'm doing now with the podcast, but at least it's not for my actual profession. This is more a side project, again, for my creative outlet that I desperately need. (laughs) So I did maintain my blog and YouTube channel and my Instagram account for like the two years that I was in Houston. And I think I continued it a little bit beyond that. But as soon as I got my first like big girl job after I passed the RD exam and got licensed, I kind of just put that on the back burner and I fully embraced my clinical job of working at a hospital which again, it's like something I would have never guessed. And a lot of other dietitians I speak to can relate to this because they also at one point never felt like that they could <laughs> make that their life is working clinicals. Just because like the idea of hospitals, it's like, oh, so gross. Like why does anyone want to work in a hospital? It's so depressing. And then clinical dietetics is like super exact. And there's of course like risks involved if you're not providing the best care to the patient. So all of that is kind of like makes people anxious and nervous. And I totally get that. And I totally felt the same. And I was kind of like, why am I learning all this about kidney failure and pulmonary disease and trauma or burns? Like, why am I learning about all this if I'm not going to be using it? But hey, what do you know? I am using it now daily at my job. Everything exactly what I learned from my undergrad and from my graduate school in the MNT classes, which is medical nutrition therapy classes, I'm actually using to this day. One of my favorite classes in undergrad was called Life Cycle Nutrition, where you learn about the differing nutritional needs that you go through from infancy to geriatrics. If you had asked me then during when I was doing my undergrad or my internship, I would have totally not told you that I wanted to be a clinical dietitian. But like a lot of people, we do change our minds after we have experience in our internship rotations because you rotate with different fields such as community nutrition. Like I did my internship at the city of Houston. So it was a lot of like HR, like management, grant writing, a lot of community projects. It was fun because I did get to work with the Houston farmers markets and they had community gardens all over the place. So I had some experience working in those more like grassroots community driven movements and projects which I learned so much from that and there's the food service rotation where you are competing completing some of the hours out of food service establishment healthcare based usually so like a nursing home or a hospital there's like also food service rotation so you get to see how food service works on a operational level for the school districts and then there's the clinical rotation of course that serves as the bulk of your hours, you need about 1,200 hours, supervised practice hours, in order to complete your dietetic internship and for you to be eligible to sit the exam. And then lastly, there's the specialty rotation, which I did mine on a vegan food truck. (laughs) My preceptor was a 
chef with a culinary background who also happens to be a vegan registered dietitian. So that was the coolest <laughs> experience. There were other interns from my school that had the opportunity to intern for NASA, which I thought was so cool. I was like, this is like a one-time experience, like once in your life experience. When I was living in Houston, I honestly considered it, but I I felt more called to see how it was like on the food truck. But yeah, like you could even intern with the dietitian at NASA if you wanted to. So there's so many cool internship rotations. They're not set on where you have to go. Of course, your school has contacts and contracts in place where they'll help you find a placement. But there are other distance remote dietetic internship programs where you're expected to find all of your preceptors, which whew, that is a tough task to take on. So I feel for you if you're in those shoes, but you do have some freedom there on choosing your preceptor and your rotation sites. So get creative with it, like I did. Running a podcast can feel overwhelming to say the least. I was there not too long ago. For example, did you know you need to pick a server to host and automatically update your podcast feed? Luckily, I found out about Buzzsprout at the perfect timing and have been loving it. So if you or someone you know is thinking about starting a podcast, look no further than Buzzsprout. Sign up using the link in the show notes to get started for free and see how you like it for yourself and receive a $20 Amazon gift card after you upgrade to a paid plan. I totally loved living in Houston. Everyone warned me about you know, the humidity and the heat and everything and out, wait, alligators? Are there alligators in Houston? Yes, I think there are on the bayou. <laughs> and the hurricanes and flooding. Yes, all of those things are true about Houston, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it. It's like a bustling city, but it also has calm areas. My favorite part of, other than the medical center where I did my internship in school, which is super impressive. It's like super urbanized, advanced, you have the best physicians and hospitals in the country or some some of the best in the world all located in Texas Medical Center. It would have totally been my dream to work there if I had stayed in Houston. But my favorite part of Houston on when I'm not working or going to school would be the East End, the East End District. There is a East End Farmer's Market. I think it was every Saturday or Sunday morning on Navigation Boulevard. That market is super fun. I love the East End. I just love everything about the East End area. It's like the artsy part of town, I guess. There's like lots of farmer's markets. There's art studios. There's recording studios. I actually went on a tour of one. If you wanted to like check out a recording studio for making shows or podcasts or making music and there are just tons of art studios and things like that in the east end area so i highly recommend you check it out that's also where all the famous houston murals are so the art mural walls that are great for like instagram opportunities are also around the the east end area there are a lot of wall murals everywhere in houston in general but there are quite a few in that area. Another thing I definitely recommend if you get to visit Houston on, on the weekend is Urban Harvest Farmer's Market on Buffalo Speedway. That's just like an overall very well-rounded farmer's market. And I just always enjoyed going there. They have live music sometimes. They have just a wide array of farm vegetables and fruits and food trucks. 
the food truck that I interned with actually would park there sometimes. So um, pretty much, I think they were there every Saturday, actually, on top of the other places that they're usually scheduled to park at. That food truck actually is expanded to a restaurant. So if you ever do go to Houston, it used to be called the Ripe Food Truck, which had a red tomato on it. And it had this really neat design of white. And uh, it's a white truck with black text of food ingredients all over the truck with the red tomato. But she, the chef has actually been able to expand into a restaurant. So now it's called Verdine, which is V-E-R-D-I-N-E. I think it means green in French or something like that. But yes, definitely visit. I did get the chance to go back and visit Verdine. Uh, my friend and I, Valerie, actually ate there. And you heard from Valerie in the last three episodes before the About Me. So yeah, we both love Verdine. So if you ever go to Houston, definitely check out that restaurant. And then conveniently for myself and my husband, we both are boba fiends. He's more of a boba addict than I am. He has a terrible addiction. Get it? Tarot? Haha. <laughs> Yes, we both love boba, and Houston's like one of the best cities to get your fix of boba. There's like boba anywhere. There's also a lot of like Vietnamese bami sandwiches too, if you're a big fan of that. There's just so much ethnic cuisine. There's Ethiopian food, there's Vietnamese food, Korean food, everything. So our favorite place for boba, and this is a franchise, so there are some in your city probably also which is called bamboo and the last part is with a u with a little accent on it i guess so yeah it's called bamboo and you can kind of find it in other big cities too but houston has like four locations probably i highly recommend you go visit bamboo i love the chea which is like a vietnamese coconut milk ice cone dessert with fruit and different toppings that you want so I always get my fix if I'm in a city that has bamboo. And then my husband likes to work his way down the smoothies list. He's literally ordered every smoothie item on the smoothie menu. And they have like 30 options. So every time we go, he's tried a different smoothie option. That's kind of like his goal whenever we find a new boba place. We also love how in Chinatown, the street signs, some of the street signs are written in... Vietnamese. I don't know if there's some in Thai, but there's for sure some street signs that are straight up in Chinese or Vietnamese letters that you're just like, what? (laughs) And then they'll have like the English name under it, but it'll be like a total different translation. Like there's a street called Turtlewood and then the characters are like some other, I think it's like Vietnamese and it's just like total, totally doesn't make sense at all. Like it sounds like it's a complete different name for that street, but we do love that so much. Like you know you're in Chinatown because then the street signs are in different languages and there's so much food like you can literally go all the time we lived maybe 20-25 minutes away from Chinatown sometimes there was a lot of traffic in Houston so we didn't go like all the time but we did try to take advantage while we lived in Houston to try to visit Chinatown as much as we could so some weeks we would go to the Asian supermarket and buy groceries there and you can find really interesting foods that you can't find like in El Paso for example we do have some Asian markets here but they're not like the beasts that they are in Houston. HMAR which is like a Korean supermarket and then they had some that were more like Southeast Asian focused and then they had some that were Chinese supermarkets like 99 Ranch Market. So yes Chinatown was like our favorite. I think if we ever lived in Houston long term we've always joked that we should just live close to Chinatown and be, <laughs> be walking distance from all these different restaurants oh and Houston is like really good about having vegan food too you can find vegan restaurants everywhere Chinatown was great because they had 
a lot of uh, Buddhists that live in that area. So they had a lot of vegetarian restaurants or vegan restaurants because of the high population of people that were vegetarian for religious reasons. And of course, like the Indian areas as well, you can always find vegan vegetarian food at Indian restaurants. I don't take the restaurant options in El Paso for granted at all. I don't think we have that limited of an option. Like some people complain, but I really do think we have a good amount of diverse foods to choose from in El Paso. Of course, it could be better. And I, I do see that it's getting there and we're going to introduce more diverse foods. And I see like, I'm always excited when I see like a new Korean or Indian restaurant open up also along with vegan businesses, of course, but Houston is just like amazing. Like everything's there. <laughs> They're already, they've done it. And it's funny because I think people think of Houston as like this Texas city where it's like barbecue and ribs and steaks and whatnot, like cowboys. But <laughs> but in my experience, Houston was very plant forward and introduced a lot of new culinary concepts. It was a lot of like new age restaurants and eating establishments. So I completely loved it. Like there's something for everyone, which is why I thoroughly enjoyed it. So it was super easy to be vegan in Houston. And that is something I kind of miss here, like being back home in El Paso. I, I miss my my fully vegan Indian or Chinese buffets where I didn't even have to think about it. I could just get whatever I want. So here I have to be a little more deciphering in where I eat and their menu and making sure that they do offer vegan food. There are a few vegan establishments here in El Paso. I actually plan on making a podcast video about it soon. There's not as much as I would like, but it's getting there. Like, it's really not that bad. We do have some vegan and vegetarian-friendly restaurants and businesses and small business owners here that make plant-based foods. So I really do appreciate that. And I do feel lucky that I do have access to those things in my city. Thanks for listening. You can now drop me a voicemail that might be aired in a future episode. You'll find the link in my Twitter and Instagram bios at mfmppod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel by searching many faces, many places, all in one word. Lastly, make sure to tap the follow button on your favorite podcasting app to stay tuned for new episodes.